One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Sandspans Radio. Are you a John Wayne or a John Wayne Gacy? Hey everybody, are you on a quest for epic gear, housewares and collectibles? Then do we have the solution for you. Just head to lootcrate.com slash letmedie, enter the code letmedie, and save some sweet, sweet dollars off any new subscription today. That's lootcrate.com slash letmedie. Welcome to this week's episode of Movie Maintenance, where yet another Potter film needs pitching. This week we are looking at my ideal Harry Potter pitch. So, not that we've recorded this a month and a half beforehand because we're super keen, it's been announced, not recently at all, that Harry Potter's Fantastic Beasts trilogy is now, what's a five-parter Quinn called? Quinn something, I would guess. Quintilogy. I hope it's just called Quintilogy. Quinn. Everyone just calls it Quinn. Like, it's yeah. a really cool <laughs> Fantastic yeah. Beasts Quintilogy. Yeah. I've got six, isn't it? No, it's that's six. Uh, would that's be... su- that's that sex- a sextillion. Sextillion, <laughs> mate. <laughs> nah, cool. I'm on board. Five films, sure. Five. Why not? Yeah. Why not? Is there? A, is there? Why? A, I think is there a plan? The like, hang on. What I want to know is: is this a Hobbit thing? Is this like? Actually, no, it wouldn't be because they just no, shot too much, yeah. and I'm like, oh, let's just stretch it out. Sure. This is like, I guess the studio have seen the cut of the film and gone, yeah, good. We're yeah. happy. Well, let's, I think let's make five. It's, I feel like well, they're always intending to do it as three, yeah. And then J.K. Rowling has kind of said, "Oh, the story's gotten bigger, and we're going to do it as five. Oh, so and she's... they're like, "Oh, money, okay, yeah, yeah, sure. yeah we'll do so that." So she's yeah, like, George Martin. Like, they wouldn't give a shit at all. They'd be like, "Oh hell no, fucking make it eight, make yeah. it 20. Yeah. God, I bet they were disappointed when like three, really. <laughs> yeah, actually, I think it was originally just going to be the one. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, they're like three. Can we break those all into two parters? One to three to five, fifteen. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to, to see how high it's going to go because who knows if this is the final number. Can I be honest about something? Hmm. In light of the tr- recent trailers I've seen for it, I'm not really looking forward to Fantastic Beasts. I've only seen the first Which is trailer. weird because by the time this episode's out, Fantastic <laughs> Beasts will be out and I'll seen it and I might have totally different opinions, but I doubt it because hmm. I'm not, it doesn't look like it's going to grab me. And I recently rewatched the last uh, two Harry Potter films hmm. as well as Order of the Phoenix and prep for this one. Yeah. And I discovered oh, how deeply I dislike those last two. Oh, and, mate. Uh, hang on. Part one. Part one. Away. Number seven, part one. Yeah. <laughs> I believe I mentioned in a previous podcast that I liked part two better than part one. I would like to fix that now because part one is definitely better than part two. Fuck yeah, it is. Part two was garbage. Uh, part two is part- okay. You know. Yeah, it's okay. Mm, yeah. It's mad. <laughs> uh, but my rec- my still sort of feeling on all the so... movies are just like, yeah, you know, the book's cool. The movies, no, but part, um, like for me... I think the third movie is like visually and like all, all the different pieces working together is probably the best film. Undoubtedly. The third um, movie is the best. And I think it's the best book too. But I think I just really love number seven, part one. 
I like the slow burn nature of it. How they're just too. out in the forest. And I hate when it started, when they started dancing. I was like, get the fuck yeah, that, off my screen. I and by the end of the then. scene, I was like, shit. I didn't remember that yeah. scene happened yeah. where they had a random dance scene to Nick Cave, I think it was. Yeah. It was beautiful. Yeah. I downloaded that song like right after. Yeah. Oh, don't get me wrong. So Did you I adore Nick Cave. Do you <laughs> like, <myself>. I'm Hermione. <laughs> 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 That's what I do. <laughs> well, you would be right, obviously. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> there's there's no doubt in my mind. I thought I was Hermione, but all right, I'll 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 wear the Weasley. Do you want to be Dumbledore? Maybe. Uh, no, I don't want to be fucking Dumbledore. Okay. You know how much I hate Dumbledore. I do. That's what annoys me about the, this five film news because apparently it's going to be pretty heavily yep. like Dumbledore and Grindelwald yep. and all that, which I'm interested in. But isn't it just like Dumbledore is like a white supremacist sort of guy? I mean, what? I think exploring. Well, yeah, yeah, like he's all pure blood and shit. Oh. Isn't he? When he's younger, I don't know. Isn't he like... oh, I clearly don't have a Yeah, don't you remember? No, you the whole me. thing with him and Grindelwald was that. They were like, they were big, like, like we're pure wizards. Oh, yeah, man. pure wizards. Oh, my God, what bastards. Yeah. And then Dumbledore kind of <laughs> mellowed out. Yeah. Although, while, while remaining a piece of shit for the rest of his life. <laughs> but wasn't so racist. In, in the eyes of some. <laughs> so racist. A little bit. Still a little racist, you know. It never it's goes a, away completely. It's kind of fortuitous that you've stumbled onto this pure blood. Uh, bit of a stumble door, if you will. Oh, <laughs> party with the puns. Lisa's <laughs> just shaking her head. Like, Fuck, that was bad. No, no, it's quality pun, mate. Quality thank pun. Thank you, thank you. Because for my pitch, I've um, yeah, I've delved into that a bit. Into Dumbledore? No, no, into oh, just pure, pure bloods blood. and mud bloods and whatnot. Yeah, mud blood's such a great. Just like a slur on a person. Oh, isn't mm, it? You fucking yeah. mudblood. It's it hurts. really, really harsh, mm. and I'm really oh, yeah. surprised that there are twelve year olds in Harry Potter saying it. Yeah, with with believable venomance. Like yeah. when Draco says it, you're like, "Oh, I just want to venom smash you in the crowd." Yeah, yeah. <sighs> fucking Malfoys. Honestly, they're a bad bunch. Oh yeah, except for Scorpius. Was that his name? Yeah. Is that the, that's the kid, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't really count that though. We, I mean, we, we count him, him time. Child? Give him time. Have you read it? No, I've never read it. Well done, sir. Gabe's ringing endorsement uh, yeah. didn't exactly yeah. convince me to. I think go. if we exclude Cursed Child, we have to exclude these as well because it's all fan fiction. No, nah, but sure. like ours is good fan fiction. Yeah, it is. It's better. What opposed to JK's <laughs> yeah, own you know, fan fiction? Like, just, I don't know. Her heart wasn't in it. I mean, she wasn't really in it. No, nah, she was really like, like a story credit. Story credit, which how do we even know, like, what was that? She just, like, wrote some, went in a cafe and wrote a few dot points on a napkin, hmm. like she did way back in the day, and was just like, here you go, Jack Thorne, <laughs> write, a, write a play for me. Write a clusterfuck of a play. Do you yeah. think because it's a play, that's part of the reason it didn't read as well? Or is it literally just a story? No, the story. The story's not great. The story's, like, muddled. But I think if I messy. would, yeah. I had friends who went and saw it in London, yeah, and yeah. they had hated reading it. But okay. Oh, but they would like to. I imagine to actually watch it. Yeah. Because you read it and go, I'd really like to see how they actually tackle some of this mm. stuff because it's pretty visual. Mm. And it's like, fuck, it must be the Is most there plans for it to. Big budget thing ever. Come overseas? I don't know. <laughs> It'll be playing Eventually. in London forever. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, right. At least five years or something. Right? Mm. Yeah. And yeah. I think. We won't get to us. We, we, won't, we won't get the good actors either. No. We'll get like. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get Noni who, Hazelhurst. Who would you cast in the Australian stage production of. Noni Hazelhurst as McGonagall. Okay. Or the Trolley Witch? Jackie Weaver for the trial. Jackie Weaver. <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> the rest, I don't know. Like, who have we got here in Australia? I, I don't know. Who's a good actor? I don't watch Australian stuff, to be honest. Uh, Guy Pearce is a good actor. Guy Pearce is cool. Who could he play? I don't Can know. Can we throw um, Hugo Weaving at anything in this in this play? Still. No, nah, but like, you know. Not really. Someone's got to be Snape. So True. Why not Hugo? Mm. Oh, yeah. Guy Pearce dyes hair. He's a Malfoy. 
Oh, yeah, but Draco's so shitty. Draco is really And he's shitty. the only Malfoy he could possibly be. Mm. Unless he, we have him play Scorpius and he's just, I'm a, I'm a teenager, yeah. I'd buy it. I'm Guy a exactly year old teenager. I would, I, would, I would buy it. I mean, Guy Pearce is a terrific actor, so he could pull it off. He's tremendous. Jackie Weaver is the trolley witch. Damo, I would say just read it for the trolley witch section. It's okay. beautiful. Oh, it's, it's definitely going to be intrigued. It's mesmerizing. Beautiful, strong. It's good. <laughs> But it's it tears it tears me apart inside. <laughs> Did it inspire your pitch today, mate? No, it did not. Sadly, oh. this pitch is inspired by. All right, so this pitch. What I initially set out to do with it, I said I wanted to do an undercover Death Eater story. But as I like, you know, worked it and worked it and worked on it, I realized a far more interesting way to look at it would be, you know, what makes a Death Eater, and that's yeah. the only way you can sort of approach the thing. Mm-hmm. So I combined the two, and here we have my pitch today. Are we in for like a. Oh, sorry, you go. Death Eater. Death Eater. Oh, cool, yeah. cool, cool. Now you can ask your question. Your sorry, phone. mate. <laughs> Is it kind of like, um, are we in the style of Donnie Brasco, Departed, that sort of stuff? There, There's a lot of Departed in here. Cool. Okay. Cool. To the point where if um, I'm shipping up to Boston isn't played in the opening of this, <laughs> I'll be a little, a little sad, but okay. I rewatched The Departed as well while I was writing this to yeah. take some mm. cues, and fuck, I love The Departed. It's a good film. Oh, yeah. It's a stellar movie. It's the only film that I really, really like Mark Wahlberg in. Oh, what about um, the one we just saw that I can't remember the name of? Um, Deep Blue Horizon. Deep Blue Horizon. Water <laughs> Run Down. Uh, <laughs> What's it called again? Oh, but it's a good movie. No, it's a really good movie, yeah. and he's perfectly serviceable in it. Oh, I think he's great, man. He, he carries the film. No, no, Kurt Russell carries the film. No, he doesn't. Yes, Wahlberg he does. carries it. Kurt Russell supports the carrying of the film. Nah. <laughs> Pretty ably on my That's that great Kurt scene. Russell's really good enough. I've completely forgotten. When I've been telling people about the movie, mm. Kurt Russell's great. He's terrific. And that scene, he's like, come on, Matt Damon's, Matt Damon's character. Mark Wahlberg's character. <laughs> We're going to go murder some BP company men. Oh, that's great. Actually, I didn't Excellent. think it was Matt Damon in the film. I, like, I haven't seen it, but from all the, the trailers, I was Damon. like, oh, yeah, it's Matt Damon. <laughs> nah, he's not fighting oil. He's fighting um, monsters in the Great Wall of China. That's yeah, his that film fight. looks good. I'm gonna, I agree. I'm going to get into that. I like the director whose name I can't remember, but great stuff. Yeah. Did, what, did, um, what else did they write? Did The Flowers of War with Christian Bale? Have you seen that? Oh, no, I really want to, oh, though. That's, that's the good. POW one, isn't it? Yeah, it's really yeah. good. Amazing. Oh, Christian. I've been trying to work out the casting for my movie all week. Christian Bale? Christian Bale could slide right in. Good. I'm glad we'll Gabe's get... not here because Gabe hates, hates Christian Bale. Bale. <laughs> Finally, fucking listen to your Dracula. I pitched Stella, Christian Bale, by the way. And Gabe was just like, was so... and I was like, I kind of regretted it because it just. It really soured him for yeah, I mean, a good long while there, I think. Christian Bale, great great choice, as was John Hawks. Thank, Thank you. you, buddy. That was, yeah. that was for you, mate. Is John Hawks in your film? I mean, it's everyone's British in this film. I don't know how... Yeah, he can do it. All right. He, he, we'll find a spot for he him, do anything. You're very confident about that. I, love, I do the same thing. Like, whenever I'm pitching, like, or I've got, like, a, a British character, I just type in, like, British actors. I don't yeah. even, like... I can't even count Americans or Australians. Well, fucking actors can't do accents. I, I mean, some can't. Deal. Yeah, well, Sam Worthington. <laughs> Keanu Reeves. Keanu Reeves, yeah. 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 <laughs> Is Keanu Reeves in this? <laughs> no, Aww. sadly. I don't actually have a full cast list okay, for cool. this, so at the end of the pitch, you can help me out a bit. Because sure. normally when I do these, I'm like, I know who I've got. Yeah. Like, I pitch them in my mind while I write. Do you have any of them? or just? I've got a few, but okay. mostly this one just... Empty faces. Sure. But in any event, let's do some death eating. Paint us a word picture. So we open on a nice quaint cottage in the British countryside. It's a still, calm and pleasant night. Two young and happy parents are putting their child, let's say he's about three or four years old, to bed. 
The mother finishes reading The Tale of Beetle the Bard, and the dad enchants a bedside lamp to project some fantastic images all across the room. The young boy falls asleep in the soft, warm light, and we join the parents in the lounge room. They're fooling around with each other as you'd expect newlyweds to do. We learn that the, that the dad is a wizard, but the mother is a squib. As they mess around, we see outside the house and witness a group of men advancing on it. Their leader, a stern-looking priest, kisses a cross around his neck, raises his rifle, and fires on the house. The boy wakes up to the sound of shooting and shouting. He leaves his room and crawls down the hall, crying for his mom. She's ducking for cover while her husband is hectically firing curses out the window at their attackers. Bullets ricochet all over, over the lounge room. The dad sees his son has left the bed and yells at him to hide. Just as he does this, a bullet tears through his head, spraying blood everywhere. The boy's mother runs to her son, kisses him on the forehead, and tells him to run and hide. The boy doesn't want to go, but his mom makes him. As the boy runs, the men break into the house and grab his mother. The boy hides in the garden behind a low wall. He watches the priest and his men drag his mom outside. A few of them are chanting, burn the witch. She keeps telling them that she isn't one, but they don't believe her or they don't care. The priest ties her to a tree and sets her alight. The young boy watches his mother scream as she burns alive. And a man wakes with a start. The young boy, all grown up, is named John Wilkes, and he's in his cell in Azkaban. A few dementors are hanging around his cell bars, so he chucks them drunk at them and they scatter. Wilkes sighs and holds his head in his hands, shaking slightly, trying to clear his head. The man in the cell opposite him, a fellow prisoner a few years older, named Evan Rosier, looks concerned. He asks if it was a memory or a nightmare, and Wilkes says it was both. Rosier talks about how unfair it is that they're stuck in Azkaban and subject to the cruelty of the Dementors, when neither of them really did anything to truly deserve it. Wilkes agrees and makes note of how poorly the Ministry treats its wizards, especially those of pure blood. The two, the two are allowed to leave their cells and make their way down to the yard area of Azkaban. It's a large, open, muddy square in the center of the prison, surrounded by the tower on all sides, and above it is a grey, cloudy sky and a horde of Dementors. The human guards of Azkaban are all wearing muzzles to stave off the effects of the Dementors and handing out bowls of sludge That's for cool. breakfast. <laughs> Wilkes and Rosia line up and some other prisoners push in front of them. Rosia pushes them away. Pure blood's first, he tells them. The half-blood gang tells Rosia to piss off back to daddy, rich boy, and shoves him away. Wilkes decks the leader of the half-bloods and they all start fighting. Soon, the whole yard descends into this bloody, muddy riot. In the course of the fight, Wilkes saves Rosia from getting shanked, but before Rosia can <laughs> properly thank Wilkes, they both notice that their breath is turning to steam. They look up and see Dementors starting to swarm the yard, soaring in and dragging away screaming prisoners, including Wilkes. Wilkes is taken to a dark stone room and dumped there. A well-dressed man with a neat beard is standing in it, looking at a pocket watch. Rufus Scrimgemore is his name, and he's looking a little grave. He tells Wilkes that if, if he keeps starting fights, they'll have to extend his sentence, Wilkes says he didn't start it, and if Scrimgemore wants his help, he won't threaten him with that. Scrimgemore reminds Wilkes that as a murdering fifth-year Hogwarts dropout turncoat, Wilkes doesn't have much to bargain with. And we get a flashback. We see the stern priest from the start of the film. He's an old man now, shuffling some Bibles around in his empty church. A nervous-looking Wilkes, fully grown, walks up to him and points his wand in his face. The wand shakes in his hand. The old priest snarls and tells Wilkes to go to hell. Wilkes says he'll see him there, and Avada Kedavas him at point-blank range in the church. We jump back, back to the room. Scrimgemore asks how, Rosier, how the Rosier relationship is tracking, and if Rosier has let anything slip about his Death Eater mates. Oh! 
Wilkes says no, but it shouldn't take too much more work. Rosier trusts them more than anyone else in Azkaban. Scrimmage says that's a problem. Rosier is out in two weeks. Wilkes says it's fine. I'll work on it more when I get out. Scrimmage says no, you don't understand. Rosier is getting out. You're not out for another few months. You'll have to serve your time, otherwise it'll look suspicious. We've spent too much time at this already for it to come undone with something so small and silly. Wilkes is horrified. He has to spend more time in Azkaban, now alone. Scrimgeball says that he can do what he can about the Dementors in the meantime, and reminds Wilkes that however bleak it may seem, he's doing the right thing, doing what he wanted. He's protecting innocent wizards, something that Wilkes undoubtedly wishes had happened to his family a long time ago. Some time passes. We see Rosier get released with a see-around as he goes, and after a few months of torment and isolation, Wilkes finds himself released. He gets set up in a room above the leaky cauldron by Scrimshmore and gets debriefed as to what the plan is. Wilkes is to continue his work from Azkaban and build on a relationship with Evan Rosier to discover and infiltrate the pure blood supremacist organization known as the Death Eaters. He's the leeway to break certain laws, if that's required, though no unforgivable curses, and is to report all suspicious characters and events. In the event he wishes to contact Scrimshmore, who is the only one who knows that he's a double agent, he must open his window halfway, place an empty bottle of butterbeer on the windowsill. Communication is to be kept to a minimum. First things first. I was going to ask, uh, mm. what time period yeah, are we in? Yeah, this is my question. So we're doing this. This is pre-Voldemort. This no, is, the is... Oh, no, but yeah. It, what position does he have in the ministry? He's an aura Interesting. at this point. So okay. we're looking about, I'd say, oh, early 70s. This is the first Wizarding War. Yeah, yeah. When it will did, become uh, more apparent. When did my years with Harry Potter are off? When did Voldemort come in? Voldemort uh, started... the 80s? He graduated from Hogwarts in the late 50s. Oh, okay, fuck. Okay. So mm-hmm. Harry, Harry Potter... was born in the 81, 80s, yeah. I think. So from, That's... say, 1960 to 1980 is Voldemort's active. Well, I'm assuming Voldemort created the Death Eaters, right? So yes, it's... Okay, cool. It's weird. I looked into the canon of it, and it's not super clear, which mm. was fine for this because I get to play with it yeah. a bit. But yeah. I recognise yeah. this name. There's a Rosier. Later Rosier. On, yeah. yeah. All the names in this are all. They're all people cool. from. Books. I don't know. Why okay. I was surprised when you did like the little reveal that he's undercover. Like, because you told us at the start, <laughs> I'm doing an undercover Death Eater pitch. Yeah. <laughs> and even still, when I heard, I was like, Ooh. Ooh. I noticed that. I was like, Oh, Connie, you're pretty, but you're slow. <laughs> yeah. I I I really love. I've always wondered. Like, did she mention in the books? Any details about Azkaban? Because I'm always like, who's cooking the meals there? Because Dementors mm. can't cook, can they? Yeah, no. That, stuff like that. So there's, there's humans <laughs> there. I would, there's no, I'd look for lore in it as well. Yeah. There's nothing really there, but there has to be has humans to be, there. Right? I like, like the muzzle thing. That was cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it the only prison? Like, you commit a small offense, you go straight to Azkaban? It's there interesting, is, like tax uh, evasion or something. It's like Azkaban. Yeah, Azkaban, yeah. 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 There is a jail, which maybe I just made up. Because it's okay. in this story. Right. <laughs> It'd have to be like something for like lighter no, But I think, doesn't, right. remember like Hagrid goes in what the... What does he go for? Yeah. He goes for Azkaban. Yeah. But that's for like, we think you're petrifying children. And yeah, yeah, no, that's I pretty fair. That's, 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 that's a bad worthy crime. Yeah. Look, it's not a really great crime to commit. No. I think, you know. That's, that's worthy of Azkaban, I think. But they kind of do it with no proof. Yeah. No, the ministry can do whatever the fuck they want. Malfoy was like, here's some money. Just do it. Wilkes, like... It must be like fucked up though in the head, right? He's uh. So he killed someone in his fifth year. I don't mean for that. I mean for actually like just imagine being in Azkaban and having like dementors. Yeah, mm, chewing dementors your brain every day. Draining you every time. Yeah. I think all of them would be. Yeah, they'd be fucked. He's a stressed, stressed out boy. Yeah. Stressed imagine solitary. So, so what's the, what's the call when they have to be solitary? Solitary. Yeah. Is just them in a room with a dementor, <laughs> just sort of like keeping them on the cusp of not quite dying. <laughs> 
It's not a black room. It's just like all their black cloaks in there. It's like the Dementor break room is the solitary room. That would be a terrific scene for a Harry Potter horror movie where you're like, oh, yeah. You're thinking you're seeing all these black curtains, but they're just faces get revealed. Gosh. I'm scared now. Continue. Yeah, let's pretend I had that in here the whole time. So, first things first, Wilkes has a job to do. He'll be working as a bartender in a popular pure blood bar in Nocturne Alley, one that Rosier and his suspected Death Eater pals visit. Scrimjaw finishes this debrief by reminding Wilkes that if he is compromised, he is to run, not fight, but he's never to abandon his mission without first talking to Scrimjaw. And he also advises him against making personal connections. Wilkes, still upset with Scrimjaw about the whole Azkaban thing, says he understands. So he starts working in the bar, and shortly thereafter, reconnects with Rosier, who's glad to see him, and Wilkes is happy to see him too. I imagine it's sort of like a they-dug-coal-together relationship, like he's unjustified. Sure. They went through a, quite a stressful time. Yeah. Wilkes mentions to Rosier that he's looking for some more work, better suited to a pure blood than bartending. Rosier mumbles something about helping him out, but it'll take some time. And so some more time passes, and one busy night, Rosier and some of his friends are drinking in the bar, and they call Wilkes over. Rosier makes the introduction. The two men here with... Are brothers, Rastaban and Rodolphus Lestrang. Mm. Now, I say Lestrang. In the movies, I notice they say Lestrange, which I hate. Isn't that what it is? I've always said it as Lestrang. What do you guys go with? Lestrange, Lestrange sounds like it's got <laughs> like a Frenchy accent to it, which with it, the L in the front of it, you're like, oh, yeah, that sounds about right. But, I mean, you'd think they'll get it right in the movies. <laughs> Regardless, I'm going with Lestrang. Go for it. God damn it. This is your pitch, mate. You do you. Do you. you, do you. All right, fine. <laughs> So the brothers are called Rasta and Dolph for short. Yeah. Rasta is tall and wiry like Gabe. And <laughs> Dolph is tall and broad-shouldered, very handsome and commanding like me. <laughs> or Henry Cavill, whatever you prefer. I prefer you, but <laughs> carry on. Well, thanks, man. Yeah, It's just how much I hate Henry Cavill, but continue. Oh. <laughs> they say they have a job for Wilkes, and you can tell Wilkes is excited. Finally, what he's been waiting for. Dolph gives Wilkes a letter and tells him to give it to the girl over by the bar. She says her name is Bella. Wilkes is puzzled, but agrees and hands Bella, a pretty pale girl with dark hair, the note. She reads it, and then slaps Wilkes across the face before trying to curse him. Rosia stops her, explaining that it was just Dolph playing a joke. Mm -hmm. They're all friends, and it's all good. They invite Wilkes to have a drink with them, and they have themselves a quite nice, quite normal night out. Shooting shit, drinking... A lot of talking trash about muggles and half-bloods, but really... Some fun, kinda, friendly racial yeah. slur. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of just like a regular night. You expect these sort of young, mid-20s... Right. Well, you're going to say just a regular night for us, but no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Regular night you expect these mid-to-late-20s guys to have. Sure. Along the way, Wilkes starts a relationship with a girl named Delia, the only one in the group who talks about other things that aren't related to pure blood. He's having a good time, much to Scrimgeour's displeasure. Death Eaters are attacking more and more people, and so far Wilkes has given him nothing. Wilkes says there's nothing to give. The bigots and the supporters, but the, that's it. Scrimshaw disagrees, and he demands results. He says that Wilkes is to up his game, and if he doesn't want to return to Azkaban. So one night, when they're drinking in the bar, Wilkes says he wants to have some fun muggle hunting. Bella and the Lestrang boys are keen, so the whole group, Lestrangs, Bella, Rosier, Delia, and Wilkes, Go on a muggle hunting pub crawl. They take potshots at cars, <laughs> causing a few to crash. As you do. <laughs> destroy some uh, technology shops, because I figured wizards would hate technology. <laughs> it's too so convenient. Yeah. <laughs> Bella and the Lestrang boys wind up hassling a homeless man, tormenting him. His cries are attracting the police. Fearing a scene, Wilkes stops them. 
from further torturing the man. And while he has his back turned to the bomb, the bomb tries to stab him with a broken bottle. Delia stops the hobo and launches him down the alley, much to the delight of the others. Approaching police cause the group to scatter, and Wilkes quickly wipes the mind of the vagrant to protect Delia more than anything, and they all escape. The gang had a great time, and for better or worse, Wilkes is in now. Delia saw him wipe the vagrant's memory, but she doesn't tell the others. She cares more about what Wilkes does than she does the movement, and Wilkes tells her the same. It's the first truthful thing he's said in a while. Would that have been a problem, though? Because wasn't he just doing it to protect her? Yeah, but I don't get the impression that these or, guys would really care. Yeah, they wouldn't like, want to no, hide. We want more people to know. You know? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's okay. instill this fear in the muggles. Yeah. Especially the hobos. Yeah. <laughs> so after this, things are getting more serious in every aspect of his world. The others start relying and trusting Wilkes a little bit more than they used to, letting him into the pure blood movement. He and Rosier do a few runs to Borgen and Burke, stealing in suspicious items, all of which Wilkes reports to Scrimgemore. They attend a few pure blood rallies, and eventually, and eventually, Rosier takes Wilkes to meet a man. He warns Wilkes before they go that this guy is a little intense, and it's best not to make any sudden moves. They head down some dark alleyways off Nocturne and through some back rooms and down to the shitty, damp, cluttered basement. The basement's full of cauldrons and other potions, instruments, dead animals and mold. There are horrific images of pain, porn, and despair all over the walls. Rosier introduces Wilkes to Musselburgh, the movement's potions master. Musselburgh is hairless and filthy, covered in pure blood tattoos, the most telling of which is Death Eater, which he has tattooed across his knuckles. <laughs> so is this a common term at this stage? People know what Death Eaters are? I assume so, yeah. yeah cool. What about the mark? No one knows what the mark is quite yet. This is, again, fairly early days. Yeah, We're looking yeah. about maybe about 10 years before the, Harry, the events of Harry Potter. Cool. Well, the birth of Harry Potter. Is Mus- this like Voldemort still doing like paintings of architecture and stuff? <laughs> <laughs> Lovely little It Hitler took me reference. a second to work out <laughs> yeah. what you were doing. I was like, that's not in the canon, Connie. <laughs> but no, it's oh, Hitler jokes. It I known. like it. <laughs> Musselburgh immediately distrusts Wilkes. And says in, saying he smells like muggle blood. Rosier calms him down and they pick up what they came for, a crate of polyjuice potion. Musselburgh says he'll have more ready soon, but Wilkes better not come back. Musselburgh doesn't much like Wilkes, and Wilkes says that Musselburgh should do something about it. <laughs> Rosier quickly diffuses the situation and they bugger off. Wilkes tells Scrimgemore about meeting Musselburgh and how it unnerved him and shook him. If someone as skittish as Musselburgh can smell that he's a rat, then any proper Death Eater surely could. Wilkes says that he's done enough, and he wants out in protection for him and Delia. Scrimgemore says some nut-making polyjuice and causing some damage to some muggles who can't even corroborate it isn't nearly enough to take them all down. And just because Musselburgh has Death Eater on his hands doesn't really make him one. It's not enough. However, not everybody sees it that way. Next time Rosier and Wilkes meet, Rosier is upset and scared. He and Wilkes hide the polyjuice potion and brace themselves. You see, Musselburgh, shortly after meeting Wilkes was raided and taken into custody by auras. Not just any aura. Moody. Ooh. Scrimmy's a fucking idiot. I say that because I don't know how to say his name. I always read the book and was like, Scrimjow? Like, what is he? I I looked it up. It's Scrimjaw. That's how you meant to say it. So Scrimjaw, like, immediately got that information and be like, raid that place. I guess. That's a bad job. Maybe it was him. Maybe just most of all got careless. He's a What does Scrimjaw have over Wilkes? Like, why is Wilkes willing to... Yeah, but he went wouldn't to he be an Azkaban for it. Is, yeah, is a bit longer. That was my thinking as well. So his sentence got been short. Life? It's easy. I, I think assume. it's easier of like Wilkes. It's like life in Azkaban. He's like, I'm going to get you out, but you're going to work for me. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. probably what he's got over him. Because he'd said before, he's like, I'll send you back. 
Yeah. 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 Okay, yeah. okay. Yeah. Plus, well, Wooks does generally want to like help and protect wizards because yeah. Wooks is he a bad was, guy. He was That's my down. reading. Not yeah. a bad guy. <laughs> he was murdered someone. Not. No, because that <laughs> motherfucker, that priest, kissed his cross and then killed his mum. Yeah. So. <laughs> the man he killed burnt his mum alive. Yeah, I think that's justifiable. Yeah. What did the dad do? The dad... Because there was a confusion, right? It was dad's the wizard. Dad's a wizard. Mm. She was a squib, squib. And they're like, oh, magic, it's a witch. Yeah. Kill the woman. The dad, the dad was dad. just wizard and got shot dad through the died head. at the same time? Yeah, yeah he, he, got got he died. He died. He got shot. Head got, sorry, why not? You may remember it from earlier in the episode. <laughs> <laughs> I was too focused on the but woman. But so back in here. Is Wilkes a pure blood? If your mum's a squib... Yeah, it's not pure blood then. No, but you can't... But she's... I if would her call parents were pure blood, and then she was born, but she didn't have magical abilities, but she's still can pure. Can you be a pure blood squib? I don't know. They probably know. excommunicate, like they shut you out if you're a squib almost it, from a pure blood family. Then taint the blood, if you will. Yeah. Huh. I don't know. I don't know if the racists are looking at the genetics of it so much. I feel like they should. I feel like somewhere isn't that the whole Hitler? Like- somewhere there's a Death Eater in a lab, and, like, <laughs> and they've got they've kidnapped like a good doctor, and he's like, oh, I fucking hate these Death Eaters, and he's just like, the whole like, Nazi thing was samples. that if you have like a you know a drop of Jewish right. blood, then you're Jewish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah but by yeah. the Nazi standards, and indeed in Harry Potter as well, Hitler has Jewish heritage, True. and Voldemort's a half blood, mm. as was Snape. Yeah. So mm, this scientist yeah. they have checking, it's not doing a great <laughs> yeah. job. They can overlook certain things. And if, I'm if sure... If you've got enough hate in your heart, they can overlook it. <laughs> I'm sure that Wilkes is claiming that he's yeah. full-on pure yeah. blood. That's right. As if on cue, Moody and the Pruitt brothers, all Aurors, storm Rosie's home and arrest the pair of them. The Aurors split them up and Moody interrogates Wilkes. Even with both eyes and both legs, and not nearly as many scars, Moody is infamous and very, very persuasive. He tries to use the Imperious Curse to compel the truth about what Musilba was really up to out of Wilkes. But Wilkes is strong and trained, and he resists the curse, manages to get out of it. Moody reluctantly releases him. As he leaves the Aura's office, he passes Scrimshaw, who doesn't acknowledge him. In the office, Moody points his wand at Scrimshaw and asks him the security question, what's my favourite Quidditch team? Scrimshaw sighs and says, not now, Alistair, but Moody insists. Chutley Cannons. <laughs> I'm going to deviate from the cannon for that one. Scrimdraw answers correctly, you don't follow Quidditch. And Moody puts his wand away. Moody and Scrimdraw have a little chat about methods. Moody doesn't like Scrim's subterfuge, and Scrim isn't a fan of Moody's brute force. It has its place, but sometimes the pen is mightier than the sword. Pain can be withstood, Veritaserum has antidotes, and the Imperious Curse, as we've seen, can be broken. Free will, convincing someone that this is in their best interest, is far more effective. Moody disagrees and says that Scrimshaw will see that his way is right before the war is over. Wilkes is told to lay low by Rosia. This is bad. Wilkes is panicking quite a bit. First, Mulsilva hassles him, then Moody interrogates him. He's getting jumpy. He's getting nervous. He meets... One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Scrimjaw and begs to be pulled out. Scrimjaw says, not yet, they're close now. Wilkes feels that he's being left out to dry by Scrimjaw and he doesn't feel safe. Rosier gets back in touch with Wilkes. He's told to come to Rosier's estate. He does. It's a proper old wizard's house. The Rosier family is pure blood royalty, and walking through the house and seeing all the paintings and artworks, we get an understanding of some of the pressures that is on Evan Rosier. He's expected to rise to a lot. His father went to school with Tom Riddle. He's one of the OG Death Eaters. He's got a lot to live up to. Rosier brings Wilkes to a sitting room and has him take a seat. All the Strang brothers are there, and they're looking stern, and they're joined by a Death Eater in full robes and mask. The Death Eater sits across from Wilkes, places a vial on the table, in front of them. It's a gift from Musselba. Veritaserum. The Death Eater finds it suspicious that immediately after Musselba and Wilkes had an argument, Musselba was arrested. Wilkes said he had nothing to do with that. Death Eater says the serum will show the truth. They force Wilkes to drink it and they ask him questions. But just like before with Moody, Wilkes is prepared for this sort of interrogation and passes, only just. Rasta isn't convinced and says they should hurt him. Pain will bring the truth out. Rosia tells him to back down, and the Death Eater says to Rasta to save his bloodlust. They're going to need it. The Death Eater asks Wilkes if he's ready. Wilkes asks, ready for what? The Death Eater answers, vengeance. The five apparate out of the room and wind up outside a house in Northern Ireland. The house belongs to the Pru brothers, two auras that worked with Moody in arresting Musselba. The other four put their masks on and follow the Death Eater into the home. The fight is intense but brief. The Death Eater, now identified as Dolohov, mm. and Lillestrang start torturing the Pruitts. Eventually, Rosier and an angry Wilkes are pressured to join in, and they torture the brothers to death. Before they leave, Dolohov sends the Dark Mark up above the house. Wilkes kills him. Wilkes is deep yeah. in. Shit, man. Damn. He's too deep. Wilkes is deeper in now than he ever expected to go, and he doubts that Scrimjaw could really help him anymore in light of the Pruitts. Still, he asks Scrimjaw if he can finally pull him out and says... And Scrimjaw says now really isn't the best time. Scrimjaw asks him if he has any information on the Pruitt murders, and Wilkes, scared that he might be sent back to Azkaban, as he's violated the terms of the agreement, he used an unforgivable curse. He says he's got no idea what happened to the Pruitts. No one in his circle was involved. Oh, he's, ah, he's gone full goose. point break. <laughs> Wait, it gets better. Before Scrimjaw leaves, he informs Wilkes that Moody is on the warpath, and Wilkes doesn't need to hear anymore. He starts panicking and packing and... Heads to Delia's place, plans for both of them to leg it. He finds Delia's house a wreck. Debris everywhere, scorch marks on the walls. He asks a neighbor what happened, and when the neighbor won't tell him, he uses the Cruciatus curse on the neighbor to extract the truth. Fuck, man, he's this gone, guy's throwing curses left and right. He's jumped out of the plane. As I said, he was always a stressful boy. Moody happened. Came in and arrested the girl for being a suspected Death Eater. Wilkes is distraught. He begs Scrimjaw to get her released. He'll do anything. Scrimjaw gravely says there's nothing he can do right now, and he did warn him about making personal attachments. Scrimjaw leaves Wilkes in his agitated state. It's all coming down now. Wilkes needs help. He can't run. He can't hide. There's only one place left that could possibly help him. Wilkes goes to Rosia, 
and he confesses everything. What he's done, why he did it. He just wanted to protect innocent wizards from pain, the pain that destroyed his life as a boy. He sees now he wasn't protecting anyone. He's caused more pain than not. He's super apologetic to his best, last, and only friend. Oh. Rosier is furious and hurt. He lashes out at Wilkes, saying he's doomed them both. Wilkes says he can fix it. He can fix it all and do so much more. He has a plan, but he needs Rosier's help. Rosier is pointing his wand at Wilkes. His hand shakes. We don't hear his answer. We cut to Delia sitting in her cell in the ministry, looking dejected and a bit scared. We cut to Rufus Scrimshaw walking through an empty Aura's office to the cells. He talks with Delia for a little bit, and then he releases Delia. She doesn't understand. Scrimshaw's stern face turns to a sly grin, and his face morphs into Wilkes. The two embrace and walk out of the cells. They quickly stop into Scrimshaw's office and gather as many files as they can. Files on Wilkes, files on Rosia, the Strangs, and they set it ablaze. They go to leave. Wilkes morphs back into Scrimshaw before they set out again. As they leave the office, Moody enters and jokingly asks Ruf, the fake Rufus in passing, hey, what's my favorite Quidditch team? Wilkes gets the answer wrong. Uh-oh. Moody tries to stop them both and they both duel him back. Wilkes is capable, but Moody is far better and Delia is just ferocious. She's firing hexes like mad. She's not going back to jail. <laughs> She's on the run. She's blowing the office apart and in the course of the duel, she sends out a massive blasting hex. But it rebounds and hits her square in the chest. Oh, boy. The blow is fatal. Oh! Before he can fully realize what happened, Wilkes is being attacked by Moody again and firing hexes at him. Wilkes ducks and dives and tries to get to Delia's body, but he just can't. Moody's too, too intense, too focused. As he retreats out of the office, he fires a curse back at Moody. One is just full of all his anger and despair and pain, catches Moody right in the eye. <laughs> yeah. And Wilkes yeah. makes his escape. Wilkes, crying and panting, apparates back to Rosier's mansion. He stumbles in and calls out for Rosier, but he can't find him. The mansion appears empty. He searches the rooms, and he's getting frantic. Eventually, he comes to a stairwell, which leads down to a cellar. It's lit by burning red torches, and he finds Rosier at the bottom of the stairs. He's wearing Death Eater robes. He asks Wilkes if he was successful. Wilkes says he destroyed the files, but Dilly is dead. Rosier is sympathetic, but doesn't show it. Rosia says he needs to walk forward through the cellar to the other side. Try not to show any fear. You might live yet. Wilkes does. As he goes, he's walking past Death Eaters in full regalia, in full regalia robes and marks and everything. A few of them hiss at him and say some nasty things. So mean. Wilkes doesn't make eye contact with any of them. There's a door at the end of the room. Wilkes goes through it and it closes after him. Aside from a dull torch lighting his face, the room is pitch black. Wilkes stands and breathes heavy, panting, looking petrified. We only see a mid-shot of Wilkes, from his chest upwards. A high, cold, and cruel voice silences him, and asks him his name, his blood purity, why he sought to act out against the Dark Lord. Just how foolish is he? Wilkes tells the truth. He's sick of lying all the time. He wanted to protect wizards from their enemies, from those who would do wizard-kind harm. The cruel voice asks him, who has caused him the most harm? Who the enemy really is? Wilkes is honest again. Those muggle crusaders and filth. The ministry of magic that forced him into slavery. His own fear and cowardice. Wilkes says that he can help. He can be of service. He knows safe houses, or procedures and codes. He wants to serve. So he needs to serve. And if you don't believe me, then you can kill me where I stand, my lord, because I have nothing left. The Dark Lord asks him to hold out his arm. Wilkes grimaces in pain as the wand traces across his forearm, and he's branded with the dark mark. 
Damn. And that's a Death Eater story. Fuck. Oh. <laughs> so he was totally bought into the whole my bloods, pure bloods. Yeah, well, I always forget, like, what Scrimzo was saying with, uh, like, getting people to go with their own free will. I figure that this sort of pure blood mania was always in Wilkes a little bit, given his upbringing, mm. like how Muggles shattered his world. So he'd always have that hatred. Yeah. And then just, you know, he got pushed too deep. Yeah, I also reckon, like, if for some of these guys, surely it's they might not even believe all the rhetoric, but they've, they want a community. They've got nothing else. So mm. for him, he's clearly lost everything. Yeah. Poor son of a bitch. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he, he very well might embrace it. Yes. Could we make one tweak? Of course we can. Can we make his mum a muggle? I had her as a muggle. I think it's stronger yeah, why, if she's a muggle. Why was it a squib? I decided to change it as a squib because I didn't think... For some reason, I thought, like, the Muggle Crusaders would be slightly more informed about it. So if they, like, knew that she was, you know, maybe part of which, they was like, oh, it's good enough for us. But if she was a Muggle and they just thought she was lying. What if they just, they don't... Uh... See, I, I was thinking that they were just like, oh, we know some magic's going on, but they yeah, don't know... Yeah, that's what I thought. I it's thought... mum or dad. They naturally go mum because witches exist. But I thought the dad had done magic and they were like, there's magic coming from that house. Gotta She's a witch. woman. Yeah. yeah, that's what I thought. All right, that's fine. She's a muggle. Yeah, cool. I can muggle. <laughs> that's what that's what happened. Yeah. Oh man, it went dark. It went went real dark. Didn't I mean, go you, as you dark as it could. could. Again, you warned us at the start. You said it was going to be undercover Death Eater, but then I thought let's you know let's find out what yeah. it takes to become a Death Eater. Yeah, and, and this we, is we the lighter out. version. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, in the in the weeks leading up to this pitch, we've been talking behind the scenes, and I've cut some stuff from this story, which would have been some dark, twisted, stuff. some very dark stuff. So I figured, like writing this, like you know, I should lighten it up a bit. It is Harry Potter after all. <laughs> so this is like the light version. We're like literally sitting in the dark right now. We yeah. are. <laughs> we are dark yeah. It got scary when yeah. we got to the dark. This room is about it. as as um, light as that that pitch yeah. was. There we go. <sighs> it's the darkest of our Harry Potter. Anthology. Yeah, no by far. <laughs> um. There was like a feel-good family fun one. Had a like Quidditch comedy Quidditch. sports film. Yeah. <laughs> Some coming-of-age stuff. <laughs> and then Death Eaters. And then Death Eater. <laughs> yeah, I don't want yeah. anyone to have fun. <laughs> Ever again. So it's kind oh. of... Well, it's not really, but it's kind of set Fantastic Beasts, like, what, like... No, that's, no, that's no, further back. That's like 80 years later, back. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so this would be yeah. like yeah. 1970, I think. That's mm. why I have the Pruitt brothers be killed in Northern Ireland yeah. right. during the time When you of went to Northern Ireland, for some reason, I thought, oh, we're about to see Maddie get his eye ripped, uh, Moody get his eye ripped yeah. out. Mm. Yeah. I actually, yeah, instead of maybe a spell blowing his eye out, I reckon torture him and like rip Tw- his eye oh. out. All right. Yeah. Let's go dark. Yeah. Uh, darker. See, I like how keeping Moody, though, is this absolute force of nature, this beast yeah. that you oh, can't yeah. really stand up against. So he walks out in with a lucky shot. As he escaped. Even if they rip his eye out, though, he can still fucking get back up and kick the shit out of them. That would be like, pretty cool, yeah. actually. I mean, it's Brendan Gleeson. Imagine, he's... imagine that coming at you. Fuck Oh, hell. God. Well, he might not be Brendan Gleeson in this version. Oh, okay. Because, yeah. of course, I thought, all right, I nah, need a younger... Nah, you watch uh, Westworld? See what they did with Anthony Hopkins' face? Yeah, <laughs> they were doing it. You do it <laughs> yeah. now. It's good. That was quite cool. That was crazy. Yeah, it was awesome. I was like, oh, but shit. I thought, you know, of course, you need a younger Brendan Gleeson. You get yeah. Donald Gleeson. Yeah, Donald Gleeson. Yeah. But oh, then I thought... But he's actually he was in, in the Harry Potter. No, he's already isn't he, isn't isn't he a Weasley? He has, he has a, a tiny, weasley. tiny, tiny like... role as a Weasley. Yeah. But also, I think maybe he looks a still bit. Uh, he's still a bit young. Mm. Yeah. But so then I thought, oh, maybe but, you and McGregor. No, no. Oh. Okay. He'd nah, be the right good. age. Good. Yeah. He's Scottish. Yeah, oh, that's good. Yeah, you have McGregor. Yeah, he could pull it off. Yeah. So okay, you and McGregor. I wouldn't give up on Moody. Dom Hall. 
Domino. 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 They got to get through five Fantastic Beasts first before they make this one, mate. It's yeah. time. It's time <laughs> for him to age time. and grow into the character. Yeah, yeah. All right. Fair enough. I would have I liked a bit more Bella, probably. Yeah, I just mm. thought. Was that yeah. just a nice cameo? Yeah, quick yeah. cameo. I didn't have much for Bella to do. I was gonna like the well, originally they didn't have much for her to do it, so either just do that nice little cameo. Mm. Or, mm. Yeah. Originally, cool. I was nice just touch. like the Bella thing was just I wanted to show the startings of the Bella and Rodolfo's relationship yeah. because they're husband and wife, and I thought that could be cute because you know cute. why they yeah. are still Death Eaters <laughs> and they're basically wizard terrorists. Forgot that they were married. Yeah, mm. I was just waiting for like her scenes with Voldemort. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, they're allowed to love still, even yeah. though apparently in the canon they're not actually in love. That's just sort of like an arranged marriage. Yeah. But I don't like that. And speaking of canon, so all these names are canon. The reason mm. why I went with Wilkes and Rosier mm. as my main guys is because they both died before. Uh, well, Wilkes died a year before the fall of Voldemort. Right. Yeah. And Rosier died slightly after, was okay. killed by Moody. Okay. Cool. So I figured cool. I can mess with these guys and it won't affect anything. Yeah, good call. Of course, Musselburgh was. Fairly prevalent, I guess, in the books. He was the executioner mm. that wanted to kill Bucky. Oh. And oh, yeah. he was a Death Eater afterwards. He's a piece of shit. He's one of the ones <laughs> I've also cast as well. I was originally going to go with Tom Hardy because yeah. I wanted Tom Hardy in this mm. movie in some capacity, I'm but sure. I didn't know I where to put him. Wilkes. Yeah, I thought maybe Wilkes as well. Fine, he can be Wilkes. I was thinking uh, Charlie, Charlie Cox. For Wilkes. That is. Oh, oh yeah, no, yeah. that's so yeah. Yeah. He just came and I was imagining it the whole way through. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, okay, oh. perfect. Yeah, no, that's he's a great. great actor. He is. He's, he's terrific. He's play Torn. How great is Stardust? Oh, oh, brilliant. Perfect. Yeah. I fucking love it. Fucking great. All I right. notice you're quiet. What's the deal? I still need to see it. I haven't seen it. Oh. Oh. <laughs> you haven't seen that. You haven't seen Last Samurai. What is this? <laughs> um, who's Young Scrimmy? Young Scrimmy was tough. I thought maybe uh, Sean Bean. Cool. Then I thought mm. Damien Lewis would be quite good as well. Oh, yeah. I can see that. Uh, For some reason, I'm seeing Fastbender, but I see him in like everything, everything that we pitch. So. You see Fastbender when you fall asleep. Yeah. Right, let's, yeah. let's just try to move away yeah. from Fastbender. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I figure for Rosier, I'll go with like maybe Killian Murphy or cool. Burn Gorman. Oh, they might be a, a bit one. too old, but Who's the second one? Burn Gorman. He Who's was in Game of Thrones as mm. the fucking legend, Carl Tanner. I think his name was in Game of Thrones. I don't remember that character. He was the guy who was the Night's Watch mutineer. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. With the knives, drinking wine out of the skull of jaw fucking Mormon. Oh, that oh, guy. Oh, that okay. guy. He's in Pacific Rim uh, as well. Yeah, okay. Yeah, he was pretty... <sighs> yeah. And then, but for Musselburgh, I was originally went for Hardy because I want someone quite intense. Cool. But because it, it's only one scene, I figured you just get someone in to steal that one scene. Yeah. And I think that Charlotte Copley would oh, be cool. quite nuts. Yeah, that's cool. As the tattooed covered, yeah. sort of jittery get, death eater. Who's young Bella? Young Bella, em- Emily Browning. Okay. I don't really see that in, like in comparison to Helena Bonham Carter. That's yeah. interesting. That one, yeah, that one jumped out of me. But I don't know who I see like her. She's like very individual. Oh, um, <laughs> sorry. Yeah. I'm, just, I'm just musing in my mind about Helena Bonham Carter. I went Carter. to high school with her younger brother. Same year. Really? Same high school as Emily Browning. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. Cool. Sorry, the lead of the, starting with D, the lead of the other girl, Delphi. Uh, Delia. Delia. You're thinking of Cursed Child. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Delia. Who's playing Delia? Delia. Well, I had Rose Leslie in. Oh, I love her. Oh, yeah. She's, great. Oh, yeah, she's yeah. not pure blood, though. You can't have a ginger pure blood, can you? <laughs> oh, no, the Isn't that the purest yeah. pure? You're probably right. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, no, nah, fair call. Weasleys are pure blood, aren't they? Yeah, they are. My yeah. theory is completely fucked. <laughs> <laughs> nah, Rose Lizzie, she's great. Why are you ragging on gingers? Yeah, you're the ginger man in the room. <laughs> I know. That's some, that's some serious self hate going on there, Carney. Nah, you know. He likes to think of himself <laughs> strawberry blonde. Yeah, thank you. Because I am. Like, you're not, though. No, I am. Fuck you. No. I mean, embrace it. It's a good thing. I'll embrace of. it when it's true, but I'm yeah. strawberry blonde and it's kind of. All strawberry right. blonde is, is ginger. I'm yeah, ginger. Yeah, I'm yeah, Weasley. I mean, yeah. I'm pure blood. <laughs> yeah. There you Sorry. go. There's the positive to being ginger. <laughs> it came full circle in the end. It all worked yeah. <laughs> The heroes win. <laughs> and yeah, I had Rose Leslie in because I was originally going to go with Kit Harrington for friggin' what's his face? For and Wilkes. For Wilkes, yeah. Right, but I'm yeah. glad. Is he old enough? Probably not. And I also wasn't super well, I mean, keen on him anyway. No, no, he could be. Yeah. But he's not a solid enough actor. No. Charlie Cox. Charlie Cox is much, much oh, yeah, choice. Charlie Cox is like a legitimately good actor, whereas oh, yeah. Kit Harrington is just a very sexy looking man. <laughs> yeah. Just has yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah, Gabe and me. Hair. I haven't seen, well, I'm trying to think. Oh, I saw him in Pompeii. Not good. And he's shit. <laughs> he's, yeah, I mean, that's not much he, of a He deviation. is just Jon Snow and that's it. Yeah. I got murdered for it. I got an Emmy for it. Uh, yeah, so uh, Gabe and I for Lost Dragon Brothers. That's fine. Sure. Natch. Ops. Yeah, there it is. Yeah, hit the gym. Yeah. <laughs> Particularly Gabe. <laughs> Particularly me. i got to get in Henry Cavill shape. <laughs> Gabe can just rock up. Yeah, he can rock up. <laughs> That's in the way of casting. Henry Cavill. Get him in there. He's British. Yeah, but, you know. Yeah. As we established earlier. He was in Stardust, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. Oh, oh he was he play, the um, dickish Victoria's sort of, yeah, 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 yeah. husband or whatever. Yeah. Ended up being gay at the end. Of yeah. like God, I love <laughs> yeah. that so much. The winking for Robert De Niro. <laughs> Such a good <laughs> movie. Yes, Please brilliant. watch it. I think it I was do called actually Robert want to watch it. I don't want to watch it. Not just least, everyone. Just watch it. Stardust yeah. is absolutely... Stardust is what you need to watch after listening to that pitch. Yeah. Sort of bring you up. To level out. Yeah. Get some light back in your life. <laughs> Stardust is kind of like what I imagine um, the previous generation, the, the experience they had from watching Princess Bride. Yeah. I feel like it's okay. this generation's Princess oh, yeah. Bride. Yeah. So I the only thing that's so stopping it from being this generation's Princess Bride is the fact that fucking nobody has seen it. Yeah. yeah no one saw it. I think it bombed at the box office. Yeah, no one so, wants to see it, which is makes me really But it's, it's incredible. Matthew Vaughn it directed it. He's the guy who did Kick-Ass. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And it hasn't made a bad film. What's mm. his bad film? Layer Cake. Solid. Okay, solid. Uh, Stardust. I'm, I'm thinking of films that he produced. Amazing. Kingsman. Amazing. First Class. First Class. Yeah. I, like, I thought yeah. First Class yeah. was the strongest of all the X-Men. You know, he's made yeah, solid pretty, movies. He's produced I've on it some recently. shockers. Really oh. I've, I've started with yeah, First Class as well. Like, like uh, League, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. That's another one he produced. What, back in the day? Oh, because he was producing like long before he was He did all Guy Ritchie's movies. Yeah, he got his start in the business of being a director of... Guy Ritchie's. Oh, man. So By like the way, Guy Ritchie. Sean Connery's career. Direct this bad boy. Guy Ritchie. Mm. Okay. Oh, I think it I might be a bit too tone, fun. But I don't think the yeah, time works There's for not him. enough comedy and yeah. sort of that pathos of fun in there. I think, To be honest with you guys, he was just the first British director I thought. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Who would be a good, intense director for this? Don't get David film? Yates. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> oh, <laughs> God. <laughs> Actually, the reason why this is quite dark and so... um. Sort of held back. There's lots of talking, and hmm. the, the magic is sort of not there. Yeah. It's because watching those last few David Yates films, it's all so overproduced and flashy, and I right. hate it so much. Yeah. It just all feels so hollow. So yeah, keep David White. Yeah, it's so far away. <laughs> Fuck. Get um Alfonso. Mm. Crayon. <laughs> Alfonso Cron. Cron. I should know it because fuck, I love children, man. 
Children of Man is probably my second favorite film of all time. Mm-hmm. Who did Who did Sicario? Oh, that was Dennis Villeneuve. You know, there's there is that um, infiltration Nazi movie with Daniel Radcliffe. What? No. What? Oh, what's it called? Is it the new one? Yeah, yeah. What's What's it called? Oh, I can't remember. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know it. I definitely <laughs> didn't take any cues from it to make this story. Is what it Is mean? it actually out yet? It's no. It's getting. It's a smaller film, so I don't, I'm sure its release varies from place right. to place. I think it's called. Infiltration or Infiltrator or... Something like that, yeah. Something I mean, like uh, it's, it's a shame that Daniel Radcliffe can't play Wilkes. Yeah. Mm. He'd go all right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he does. If you want to develop your crush on Daniel Radcliffe, I was listening today to the uh, Empire podcast and mm. there's a half an hour interview yeah. episode just with him. I'm behind on those podcasts. Okay, I'm going to catch up. Oh, God. He's just... <laughs> just for Radcliffe. He's just a cool guy. He is. He's, uh, he's so sweet. Yeah. He likes Jurassic... He like... Well, his girlfriend likes Jurassic Park. To uh, well, then I like his girlfriend. Yeah. To a uh, like to a very relatable extent. No, yeah. but does he also like it? He does, but oh, fair enough. All right, I'll you continue know, to watch. She it likes it more, and I'm just listening, thinking, "Oh, you guys are so cute together." <laughs> I, I like it that you're happy, Daniel. Um, you know who could like if if you go the Game of Thrones route in the casting of Wilkes, and we don't want Jon Snow because we want a, like, a good actor, hmm. get the Rob Stark guy. He was my first choice. Yeah, but right. then I thought, yeah. again, I haven't really seen him acting much yeah, outside seen of Game of Thrones. Else. Like Game of Thrones. Is he, no, he, he might be rubbish. He was in something mm. with... Idris Elba. Poldark, yeah. I think it's called. Is that the one? No, it's not TV in show? I What's Poldark? Poldark's guy. He's a very attractive guy. What show is he Unless he's in the second season, but... No, You're getting your attractive British men confused. Yeah. Okay. Who's You're the, thinking who's the Poldark one? That's Aiden Turner. Yeah. I think oh, he was one of the hobbits. hobbits. Yeah. Oh, is yeah. It like it's the, it's the hot hobbit. hobbit. Yeah. One of the Why are there hobbits <laughs> that look like men and ones that look like, you know, <laughs> trolls? Sorry, they're dwarves. They're dwarves. Why are there dwarves that mm. look like sexy male models and ones that look like? You know, well, why, why are there, why why there people that look like sexy male models and people that look like? Why are there people that look like me in the world and why are there people that look like you in the world? That's the best example I've ever heard of it, and I won't argue with it again. Wait, wait, but who's who in this? Yeah, we all know who's who. I'm Gimli, right? No doubt. Yeah, so I'm sorry to bum you out. It took me. It took me to places I wasn't ready to go, but I enjoyed the ride. I was waiting for the point break moment, like the shooting the gun in the air type thing. Where, oh, you know, fuck yeah. He has to choose between his two worlds and then... So do you want to cast Actually, Keanu Reeves? Actually, yeah, to be honest, <laughs> <laughs> that's, please. that's, a, really, that's a really good point for this kind of film. You almost need that moment where he has to choose between the two worlds. Mm-hmm. Although I would argue, to counter-argue that, I would say it? that your guy, Wilkes, went so extreme that that counter-argument's dead. Mm. Like you just see him start killing and torturing people, and say, like, "Oh no, it's fuck! It's the argument's gone." Yeah, it's not I think back. yeah, Keanu Reeves like is just scene. doing some like extreme yeah sports shit. I'm trying to think in Donnie Brasco. Have you seen it? Good. Mm, Does mm. he kill someone, or is it that moment where like he's witnessing all the guys killing that person, and he like runs to the bathroom to like break down and like freak out and cry or whatever, or he pulls the he's pulling the mic out of his shoe or whatever because he's freaking out. I remember like, breakdown. I don't know if he actually kills somebody mm. or. I think I remember two scenes from Donnie Brasco really vividly. One was when these they're going to the Japanese restaurant and they have to take the shoes off and he yeah. can't take his shoe off because he's got a it's wire in it yeah. and then he has to yeah. um like lie and say like oh the Japs killed my dad on the wall so I'm not going to take my shoe off for him. Yeah. And then they his mafia mates are like we got you buddy and they take the like the host into the bathroom and beat the shit out of him. Yeah. Okay. And he feels quite bad about that. And the other they part they kill him I think. I don't think they kill him. I think okay, they but tune that, him that's up. That's the thing where he's like fuck. They tune them up real well, and then this yeah. later, I think they kill a couple of guys, and they're cutting them up in the basement. I think Johnny Depp, maybe Johnny Depp's cutting them up. 
Mm, I'm pretty sure something happens that just snaps him and he's just like, oh. is it, is, that scene is Wilkes when they're going to torture and end up killing is it the Pruitts? The, the Pruitts, the Pruitts. Yeah, who yeah, yeah. in the canon are the brothers of Molly Weasley, by oh. the way, to break oh. your heart. Oh, oh, fucking hell. And again, that does come from That's straight from the good. books. It, Moody says that the Pruitts that. died like heroes. <laughs> it took five Death Eaters to kill them. Oh, oh I remember that now. Oh, right, Dropping oh. cannon bombs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they are exploding everywhere. <laughs> Um, I had to, you know, I had to ignore some things in the canon, like Moody liking the Chudley cannons. I was mm, like, oh. that was good. I yeah, couldn't that, think that was good. You can before we start production, we can change that to a better security question if okay. need be. Yeah, but that was just the enough. easiest one I thought of. I do. I just want Moody's eye coming out to be something bigger. Mm. Mm. Well, I mean, like if he's just seen his lady love be killed, he might just go feral. He might just you know just gouge. He might forget he's even got magic and just yeah. start gouging like a muggle. Like a muggle. I like that Moody, like, there's like five of them on him or something. Yeah. And they're just like torturing the fuck out of him and they rip his eye out. And then yeah. they're still, they're all like laughing about it. And then just like behind, you see him just stand up. And he still <laughs> yeah. fucks them yeah. up. Yeah. And he's just awesome. He just shrugs it off. Yeah. Sort of, just shakes it off away. and yeah. just gets back to work. As I was writing this one, I had ideas for two more spinoffs. Yeah. One would be. <laughs> Uh, like, uh, you follow Moody and his auras around in, like, a gangster squad style. Mm. Like, they're breaking heads and taking <laughs> names. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the other one would be, like, looking into those muggle crusaders, because that could be kind of fun. Cool. Mm. Which, according to some posters I've seen for Fantastic Beasts, I think they're kind of going yeah, with that a little. Yeah, they some of that in, do they? Which I didn't notice until after I had written this pitch. So, Fantastic Beasts, copying this boy. Mm. <laughs> Absolutely. They better was, do it justice, When did David Moody Yates. get really messed up in the head? Is mm. he already halfway there in this film? I mean, he's a bit paranoid in this film. Mm. He's very so uh, it's, aggressive. It's, after. It's, it's all downhill when the eye pops out, I think. Yeah. I think that Again, this would edge. be about 10 years before like the death of Voldemort, so he's yeah. had a lot of time to get messed up. <sighs> Man, I'd watch a TV series just about Moody. Mm. Moody's fucking great. Just going on dark adventures and getting slowly more and more fucked. Yeah. <laughs> I hope they just keep Brendan Gleeson in. Yeah, yeah. God, he's so good. Even when he looks like 80, he's just moody. <laughs> I mean, yeah. moody he hasn't... back in the 70s. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I still believe it. He hasn't yeah. aged in 20 years, so no, I don't see yeah. why he'd start now. No. I was I was trying to think of a way you could bring, at the very start where Dad's doing that lovely uh, illumination spell showing the yeah, story they're nice. saying. I'm like, oh, how can you bring that in right at that heartbreaking moment where she's dying? Could he, like, drag her out and then, like, as a nice little... You know, here's a nice little thing to happen while you're dying. He casts his dad's spell for his dying girl or something like that. Because I love that moment at the start. I'm like, oh, heart, oh, touching. Thoughts? That is nice. Mm. I, w- I do like those little things that come back later on. Mm. Plant that seed early. That's really nice. Fuck. Except you don't like it when it's in Peach Dragon, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I mean, it also gives like a little hint that's clever. of- that's clever. And that's- Peach Dragon is just <laughs> like- exact same thing dude, in Peach Dragon. all the marks of a fantasy um, family fucking film. Ugh. Well done. Like, Damn, I did it well. I like but the book, yeah. Elliot nudges it and Elliot gets lost and it's- Piss off, oh, Elliot. Man. Get a cooler name. You're a dragon. You're called Elliot. You're doing something How dare you? Well, I just like the idea of just giving my- I eight, bet you eight, fucking eight, love eight. this movie, you heartless son of a bitch. <laughs> You're one. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> his heartless soul. Um, no, I like the idea of giving like a hint of redemption, and then he just goes full Death Eater. Yeah, because now that could be like the little moment, couldn't it? Like the thing you're mm. talking about. Maybe does like 
But yeah, once she's gone, it's more powerful. She's doing it while she's like bleeding out to comfort him. Yeah, yeah. Like she's like he's freaking out. She's like she accepts. Yeah, it. sure. It's gonna yeah, that's, be all right. that's good. Is this thing that's to good. calm you down. Yeah, yeah. He sees it and then you it told fades. me about how your dad did this. When it fades, that's when he knows. Oh, she's, she's dead. done. Okay, that's and he turns yes. around and that's rips the one. a fucking moody eye out. <laughs> and he's like, oh, yes, I'm calm now. Moody, come here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's Whoa. the hard part, doing it amongst the chaos of Moody. Yeah. I don't know how you can It should go that from that. <laughs> it should just be like a completely like non-dialogue moment of the mm. film. She does that thing, then that fades, she's dead, and then he just like takes then, his jacket off, rolls his sleeves up, and yeah. just fights Moody. And yeah. It's just brutal. It's brutal, yeah. It's like a Banshee fight, but in <laughs> Harry Potter. Yeah. If I could cast... With wizards. If I felt comfortable casting the cast of Banshee for this, I would. <laughs> yeah. Get <laughs> sugar in there. <laughs> Anthony Starr would be a terrific Wilkes. Oh, he'd be great. Yeah. He's born to play Wilkes. Actually... Holy shit. He's mm. too old, though, isn't he? He is. I mean, that didn't stop them in Banshee. I haven't had, how old is he in Banshee? The actor himself, I think, is about 40, right? Okay. How old is his character in Banshee? Mm. He's, he's probably 40-ish, isn't no, he? No. You can't possibly tell. Isn't he about 20? When yeah, he's but he's, got a, he's got a 17-year-old <laughs> daughter, though, so how could he be 40? He's got to be, like, getting she, in She's 50. 15 in the first season. No, you can be 40 if you've got a 17-year-old daughter. Yeah, but that means... Uh, yeah. Yeah. Be like late thirties at a stretch. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I got my math really wrong. There. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, he'd be good. Yeah, but he's too old. Yeah, but he's also, actually, in fact, he's perfect. Yeah, but he's old. also very busy doing my Ghost Rider movie. Oh, so. is he Ghost Rider? Yeah. Didn't oh, you listen shit. to my Ghost Rider? No, nah, man, it's on my. You know, I've downloaded it. There is he Ghost Rider? Because I'm, <laughs> I'm listening to it on my drive home. Yeah. Oh, that's good casting. Mm. I know. Oh. <laughs> Connie, you're letting me down a lot in these past two days. I'm a bit speechless. Oh, is this Pete's Dragon related? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Again, you know, make an effort. <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> For a film to have heart and Connie not to like it, I've I've got to I've got to side with Connie here. I can't imagine. It's like um, Pete's bringing it. It's like heart made in a Hollywood factory machine. Right. It is. It is very heart. much like a, yeah. we're going to make a family film in a laboratory, but mm. it works still. Yeah. It's, it's like what I imagine when Damo, when you're in the lab. Yeah. When you're working, I'm, I'm just cooking doing up my heart. science shit. Just yeah, cooking yeah. up heart. Yeah, <laughs> you know me, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still annoyed not wearing a lab coat right now. To well, be honest, next time. Yeah, thanks. And on that note, I've been Tom. I've been Sean. I've been Elise. And I've been Damien. And join us next week for the last Harry Potter pitch, which will be yours, Connie, to bring us all back up. <laughs> and if you have any Harry Potter pitches of your own or any ideas on my pitch, you can get in contact with us at sanspensradio at gmail.com or follow us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at sanspensradio. Or you can get with us at our personal Twitters. I'm at Tom Edgoose. I'm at Sidekick of Dowie. I'm at Adelise. And I'm at Midday Pajamas. If you think this show is worth at least a dollar, why not donate to our Patreon account? Follow the links on our website, sanspantsradio.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.